Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We have become the source for authenticity and exactitude here in Southeast Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley. Why? Because you've all identified our show and this station as the guidepost for truth seekers everywhere. The Point is the home of factualism, folks, and thanks to all of you for tuning in today. We have an action-packed show. It's going to move very quickly. It'll move quicker than the speed of sound. It'll seem very fast. We're going to, disp- we're going to also discuss and expose the media malpractice that's, ex- that's occurring every day in the Pravda Propaganda Fake News Networks, and we're going to provide an explanation to the unexplainable, folks. So let's just jump right into it. I, I want to talk a little bit about what we're seeing with the Trump approvals. Uh, for about a week now, Trump's approvals have been right at 50%. It was high as high as 52 and went to 51. Now it's at 50 as of today. Uh, Trump's polling very good in the battleground states. And when we do our, our Trump roadside rallies in Berks County, we see the electricity for our president. It's real, folks. It's real. And you got to keep in mind that both Obama and Bush won with less than 51% of the on election day. I think that's very interesting, too. Uh, because Trump is polling equal to or ahead of Barack Hussein Obama back in 2012 when he was running for his reelection against Willard Romney. And he beat Willard very handily. Now, keep in mind as well that Willard is a better candidate than Joe Biden is. At least Willard knows where he is, and uh, Willard doesn't get lost in a mathematical problem of two plus two. And uh, I think it's very, uh, at least Willard's a better candidate. He has a better grasp of the issues. But anyway, Obama, the Obama-Biden and the end America Democrats successfully chased jobs to China during the eight years of their reign including the 16 years prior to that. I mean, we have been watching our jobs go to China by the globalists, counter, you know, globalists slash end America Democrats, because a globalist is someone who favors globalism over Americanism. So I, I'm going to refer to the Democrats as globalists, or I can refer to them as end America Democrats, Marxists, anarchists. Either way, folks, we have been watching jobs move across to China. Jobs have been going overseas for years. We've lost all these jobs. Barack Hussein Obama kind of smartly said back in 2009 or 10, right in that window, he said, folks, these jobs aren't coming back. We're going to need a magic wand to bring them back. And, of course, we know what happened. Trump did bring them back before, of course, the, the COVID shutdown. But what's interesting is, the deep state establishment swamp, they moved the jobs overseas. And why did they do that? See, what's happened is what you have to understand is a lot of the industry, a lot of the, the, the big, big money across this world. I mean, it just I mean, the people that have offices above the clouds, if you will, the people that really have the money, they're the ones driving the agenda. They're the ones that have all their investments in China and India and so forth. So when we watched our jobs go overseas, they made their investments in those new areas. OK, so now what Trump's doing is he's changing that back. So the globalists who stand to lose all this money 
those globalists are now investing in Joe Biden's campaign because, quite frankly, that's all they got. I mean, if Trump continues on for another four years, we're going to see the supply lines and established industry that has been in China now that developed over the last 30 years. We're going to see it leave exponentially. Okay, and this is what's going to happen. See, Trump spent his first term moving jobs back here into our country. That's a fact, folks. And that's a fact Americans know. Just as sure as 10 dimes by a dollar. This is what America knows. America knows. Americans know in their heads and they see with their own eyes. Trump's economy is roaring back, folks. We just watched record job numbers. Uh, I mean, the Trump economy has grown exponentially with over with over 10 million new jobs since the shutdown. Unemployment is half of what the fake experts predicted. I think the fake experts back in May were predicting about 15 or 16 percent unemployment right now. And we're like 8.4 percent or something. I mean, it's still very high. There's still a lot of people unemployed. But a lot of it has to do with the Democrat governors keeping their states in lockdown. I mean, New York, quite literally, New York um, is is a complete. I mean, they're, they're, they're not even opening restaurants right now. I mean, New York has no plan of opening business and industry in New York City. They just have nothing. And I think they're being sued. There's some lawsuit going on right now in New York. And it's basically it's there because, well, these restaurant owners want to get open and they realize they're going to lose everything if they don't open up. And the governor and the mayor are heavily invested in the globalist economy. And they want to see Trump out. They don't want Trump to win again. And it has a lot to do with that. This is their religion, folks. But, I mean, Americans see that. That's why Trump leads, heavily leads Biden in any poll, any poll out there on the economy. Trump leads Biden by a lot. Because people trust Trump with the economy much more than they're going to trust Joe Biden. Now, the Democrats, and I think what Americans are seeing right now, as I stated, six out of 10 Democrats, I should say six out of 10 registered voters, 60 percent of registered voters associate and link the Democrats to the anarchy. I believe and, and I think it's because they see that the Democrats want to ensure that we continue on with anarchy. We want it that that we continue on with chaos and lawlessness. And of course, the Democrats and the end America globalists want to continue with the creating jobs in China. You see, this is all going to be on the ballot. Law and order is going to be on the ballot as well as creating jobs here or creating jobs overseas. What's interesting is they were talking about the trade deal that Hillary Clinton was touting and was uh, the trade deal that was going to create 250,000 jobs, which is not here, but over there in South Korea. Folks, this is what was going on when these when these end America Democrats were in charge, they were not, they didn't care about middle-class voters. They certainly didn't care about the workers and middle-class workers. They didn't care about the economy. But what I want to talk about with the lawlessness, and I, I want to make sure we're clear on here. We must not blame police folks. We just might, we must not blame the police. Lawlessness comes from societal decay and social decay. Make no mistake about it. We know this. The police cannot enforce laws that do not exist. So let's all look at the facts. The media must report the facts and they're not. We see this, folks. We see 
The media is out there talking about these riots as being peaceful when the buildings are burning in back of them. I mean, literally, the media is going out of their way to create some sort of an, an impression that the, the riots aren't really happening, that what people are seeing with their own eyes on social media isn't really happening. And I say that on social media because the, the fake news isn't putting it on their channels. You don't see the coverage on NBC, CBS, and ABC, or CNN, or MSNBC, or the Washington Post, or the New York Times. You don't see the coverage of the anarchy going on in these cities. You don't see it, folks. And what we're also not seeing is that these Democrat mayors and these Democrat governors are not enforcing the laws that have already been written. We're not seeing that lack of enforcement or the selective law breaking that they're allowing. The reason we're not seeing it, I guess, is, well, my contention is because the media is not putting it out there. Now, I see it, but I have a trained eye. I have a trained eye that looks for it. And many of you, our listeners, our very astute listeners, also have trained eyes and ears. So you are looking for the facts. You seem to hone in, as I do, into the real truth that comes in right away. So we see that we have selective lawbreakers that are selectively not enforcing certain laws. But the media is not putting it out there. They're acting as an enemy of the people, and they're not putting this out there for the country to see. They're not putting it out there that the, that the end America Democrat lawmakers or fake lawmakers are not or they're allowing these this anarchy to continue as they decry defund the police. They're allowing anarchy to exist in their cities. And that is that. I mean, it's just unbelievable that this is going on. Folks, we have to put anarchy on the same level as violent crime. We have to do that. We have to, because it is. And we've got to put teeth in the RICO rules, folks. We've got to put teeth in the, in the federal laws. We are seeing at a high level, well, seeing a high-level organization behind these anarchists. We're seeing this high-level organization. We have to make laws and see that they are, in fact, enforced and obeyed. And we must all agree that mob rule and anarchy are a form of violent crime and must be stopped. Folks, I believe 67% of America sees that. That's why Trump is associated with 67% of America as being on the side of law and order and supporting the police. And the Democrats, the end America Democrats, are being seen by 60% of America as being in league with the anarchists. Because the Democrats seemingly are agreeing in mob rule and anarchy, and it is people like myself and Donald Trump and many of our listeners out there in southeast Pennsylvania that are hearing my voice today unpack this with a punch. We all agree that mob rule and anarchy are a form of violent crime, and we are looking to continually call it out as such. We have to get wise, folks, and understand that we're fighting organized anarchy. That's what this is. We can't even get the Democrats to admit that burning a police station is wrong. I think what's really interesting is when they were doing the interview 
when the when the House subcommittee was actually interviewing Attorney General Barr, Barr made the comment. He says, many of you on this committee, the Democrats, won't even admit that burning a police station is wrong. Folks, we where is their compromise with these types of candidates? How do you compromise with a candidate? How do you compromise <clears throat> with a with, with with someone in politics who can't even admit that burning a police station is wrong? Where's the middle ground with that person? I have a good friend of mine made a comment. He says, Clay, I have nothing in common with these people. Nothing. I would have to agree that my, my good friend, his comments, I would have to agree on that. I have nothing in common and I have no place for compromise with people who cannot admit that burning a police station is wrong. I, I mean, the, the middle ground, I just can't find it. There's nothing there. There's no connection. The, the end America Democrats can't even admit that burning down a town and looting buildings and trashing businesses. And yes, burning police stations and, and defunding the police. They can't even admit that's wrong, folks. And we have fake journalists out there on the Pravda propaganda, not committing acts of journalism at all. As I stated earlier, they're reporting that these protests are mostly peaceful while buildings and cars and property is being destroyed in back of them. Okay, we have to call out the politicians who support mob rule. And we have to call out the fake journalists and the fake news networks that support mob rule and provide the air cover for these end America Democrats and these, these politicians. We have to call them out, folks. The anarchy that is taking place infuriates all of us, and it ought to infuriate us into action, folks. We need to be taking action here. Look, the crime that we're watching, the, the crime, the, the anarchy, the, the destruction, the, 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 the violence, the murder, the all of this that's taking place should give us the indignation and the courage to establish our resolve against mob rule, against anarchy. They have no power that can defeat us, folks. They don't, and they know it. The only success they have is they have Democrat politicians that aren't enforcing the rules. Well, this election cycle, law and order will be on the ballot. Together, we can crush the anarchists and the threat they posed to our constructs and our traditions, our country, our constitution. We can crush the anarchists and the threat that they pose to our families and our lives. Folks, we will win because we have the will to win. Right will prevail, folks. Right will prevail. Don't miss this. And what's really interesting when we look at all of this, again, we're looking at the Democrats, and it goes right back to their convention. It's interesting, Joe Biden, the first thing that he messed up on was his, his pick of Vice president. I mean, you pick a vice presidential candidate that's going to bring some bring something to the ticket that wasn't already there until that person came. 
Well, Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris and Kamala Harris and Kamala Harris, in my opinion, brings nothing to the ticket that wasn't already there. Kamala Harris is like Joe Biden. They're not taking questions from the media. Now, Joe Biden has his reasons. He had two explosions in his brain oh, about 31 years ago. Aneurysms. But Kamala Harris, well, her only reason for not taking questions is because she just doesn't have an understanding of the policies. She just doesn't. She doesn't have, she's not, she's not very long on policy. She's not very deep in policy. But she is very long in mouth. That's for sure. She's short on policy, long on mouth. But whatever the case is, what's interesting all is they're giving us a glimpse of their Marxist end America agenda. And even though the media is saying nothing much changed in August, and they're claiming Biden's leading in the polls, they always refer to real clear politics, which I find amazing. The average of all these polls. We are seeing things different because we're looking at some inside numbers. And I want I want our listeners to understand. Joe Biden's first problem, his first big decision is a pick of a vice presidential candidate. And we watched her. We watched him pick Kamala Harris. His second decision was this was the creation and production of his convention that are going to that's going to the, the convention that was that was responsible for promoting the the political product that they're they're trying to put out there and they, they did a horrible job folks they just did and even the fake news said the republicans put on a much better convention i thought that was interesting that's a distinct piece of information there but i want you to i mean i guess this sums it up a picture of a picture you know cuz we've all heard they're saying a picture is worth a thousand words. I want I want our listeners to, you know, when they get a chance, to go and look at the photo of Harris Biden together on the final night of their telethon conference, their convention. Uh, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden were there with their wives and husbands, and they're all up there holding hands, and they're all up there waving to the public with the flag in back of them. But I think what you see on them, they all have black masks on their faces. I thought that was interesting. They all had a black mask on their face. And then, of course, you look at the Trump and, and you know, and you look at Donald Trump and, 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 and you look at Trump Pence on their final night with their wives. And again, you're seeing people again, everyone's outside. OK, but the difference is Trump and Pence and, and, and the Republicans are. You can see their faces, you can see them and they just look more vibrant, more alive. No, they weren't wearing masks. And I think the fact is that the, the masks that Harris and Biden picked and, and that their spouses picked to wear the black masks made them look they all made them all look like they were anarchists holding hands together. I thought that was interesting. And again, if it's if a picture speaks a thousand words, uh, it's very hard for people to attach with somebody. It's very hard for somebody to attach with somebody or even connect with somebody's message when you're when they're when they're looking like someone who's about ready to rob a bank. You know, they put the mask on. And I think that's very interesting on that. But what's really interesting as well, and I, I mean, we're going to report it right here on 1180WFYL, is the evidence that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are truly anarchists, defund the police, and America Democrats. 
and uh, they have a socialist agenda. What's interesting is on July the 28th, Joe Biden stated he will go down in history as the most progressive president in history. And again, he contradicts John Kasich, who spoke at their convention, who said Joe Biden's a middle-of-the-road guy. So, I mean, you got Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden stating that Joe Biden will be the most progressive president in history. And John Kasich saying to Republicans, don't worry, he's a, he's a middle-of-the-roader. And then you watch CNN Kamala Harris state uh, that the debunked Russian conspiracy that they've been pursuing for over three years was now coming back. What I thought was interesting is Kamala Harris and Joe Biden were out there declaring the Russian conspiracy was going to throw this election, folks. They're doing it again. And what's really interesting is the media malpractice. Because the, the, the media is doing the interviews with these people. It was CNN, and she was, uh, I can't think of her name, but she was doing the interview with, with Kamala Harris. And Kamala Harris came out and said, the Russians are going to interfere with this election like they did the last one. <clears throat> the Russians are coming out. So here comes a Russian conspiracy. Kamala Harris is declaring it on CNN. And the reporter that was doing the interview, the reporter that who likely makes six figures, folks, to be a journalist on CNN, failed to commit that failed to commit an act of journalism. They failed entirely to commit an act of journalism by asking the question, well, Kamala, can you tell us, please, why you feel that the Russians will be, I mean, where's the Russian conspiracy? What makes you say that? What specifically, what specifically are you pointing to? What specifically are you looking at? What specifically are you pointing to that's going to show that there's a Russian conspiracy. What is it you're concerned about? Please be specific. Because there are no specifics. It's all innuendo and supposition. They don't have any facts. They've never had any facts. So this journalist, <clears throat> this fake journalist failed to ask that question. <clears throat> but then the fake journalist also followed that up by not pursuing the fact that Donald Trump was found well, no, no obstruction, no, no collusion, no obstruction on March 22nd, 2019. I mean, I thought that was interesting. March 22nd, 2019, we had no collusion, no obstruction. Happy no collusion, happy no obstruction day. And I don't, and the, of course, the CNN reporter failed to ask Kamala Harris that question. So here we have this reporter asking Kamala Harris about Russian conspiracy affecting the election, Kamala Harris responds with innuendo, yes, it will, and the reporter fails to commit an act of journalist by getting the specifics from Kamala Harris. What do you know that Americans need to know, Kamala? What is it you know that's caused you to just throw that out there? <clears throat> what do you know? Because if all you're doing is throwing out fear and, 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 and question, as well as trying to create another conspiracy here, then I'm not going to give it any airtime. What's interesting is when Donald Trump talks about voting fraud, they always ask for specifics, and he gives them specifics. When Donald Trump talks about the lack of certainty with the mail-in ballots, they always try to pin him into specifics, and Trump reels off a handful of specifics all the time. Some anecdotal, some anecdotal but, but, but mostly it's very complete and very real substantial evidence okay 
like mailmen throwing out ballots? Or how about just the fact of of the uncounted ballots in New York State and how long it took them to get to an election result and they still had over 100,000 ballots not counted? Or how about the uncounted ballots in California? Or how about the election in Patterson, New Jersey, that's going to be redone because the mail-in system was so messed up there? See, Trump likes to point all that out. <clears throat> so when he's asked the question about the veracity of mail-in ballots, and of course he puts out the question of its, of you know, of the of the the surety, if you will, of a, of a mail-in system, they always ask him a follow-up question. Well, why do you say that? Well, they didn't do that with Kamala Harris. When Kamala Harris is pointing to Russian conspiracy, <clears throat> these fake journalists failed to get her pointed into what specifically is she alluding to. Now, the bigger one and another big issue here that the media seems to miss is that the Kamala and Joe both marched with the defund the police anarchists. They took pictures with them. They, they marched with them. But also, too, they both called on the, I think it's the Minnesota Freedom Fund. I think that's what it is. But it's a, it's a, a system that was created in Minnesota to bail out the rioters that were arrested. So those people that burned the police stations that were arrested, Kamala Harris was on Facebook calling for people to fund their bail. And of course, staff members for Joe Biden were actually donating their money to this fund to bail out these anarchists that burned the police station and that were arrested in Minneapolis. So both of them are directly linked to the support and being in league with anarchists. And I think what's interesting is, again, the media is not asking the question. Of course, I, I want to be a little bit easier on the media. The fact is that Biden and Harris aren't doing any interviews anyway. They're really not. They're getting on the t they're getting on the TV, they're making statements, and then they walk off without questions. So that, that is what's happening. So there really isn't a whole lot of questions. But when Kamala Harris was asked the question, she was actually interviewed on CNN. That question never came up. Did, did you send out a tweet supporting people to donate or asking, imploring people to donate money to an organization that would free, would provide bail and free the anarchists that were arrested in Minneapolis until their court date? Did you? Did you implore on Facebook? Did you make a plea for people to donate to that? I want. I mean, I, nobody asked her that question, folks. Now I can promise you this: if that was a Republican candidate, you can believe they would have asked. They would have been all over that. So the double standard here is amazing. So don't miss that. But Americans see that. I mean, we're doing our roadside rallies. Americans see that. That's why they're all standing there. Shouting, and they're, of course, they're tooting their horns. They're coming by to get Trump signs. But I thought that was interesting. <clears throat> Again, here's the interview, and they don't ask her the question. But another one, it had to do with the with the upcoming vaccine, the COVID vaccine. What's interesting is they were, that same person asked Kamala Harris, does she not trust the upcoming vaccine? Again, these are people who claim to trust science and data and facts. <clears throat> well, here we are. We've got Fauci out there declaring it's pure science at work, not politics, in the development of a vaccine. He's out there doing this. Okay. 
And yet we have Kamala and Joe out there saying that they're going to distrust the vaccine because Donald Trump supports it. You know, folks, what's really interesting is whenever you talk to someone who's leaning towards voting for Biden or even a strong Biden supporter, you're asking them, what is it that you what is it that you're voting for Biden for? What is it you want to see from him? What is it that you're hoping Biden enacts? Why, why are you voting for him? You can't get anybody to talk about why they support Joe Biden in this upcoming election without mentioning the name Donald Trump and how much they hate Trump. Folks, I mean, in the polling that I talked about last week, I spent a lot of time on it. But in that poll that we just discussed last week, we saw that only three out of 10 Biden supporters are voting for Biden. The rest of the Biden supporters are voting against Trump. That is not good going into a presidential election. It just isn't. It just isn't. But getting back to the vaccine, what's interesting on the vaccine is that they're saying that they don't like it. They don't trust Donald Trump. And she must have said that three times. Now, I think what's interesting is, and I was looking at this, a USA USA Today Suffolk poll showed that 27% of people, only 27% of people will take that vaccine right away. Only 27%. 67% of the people, the rest of the people, I should say that's, uh, yeah, 60%. Yeah, 67% say they will not take it right away or they won't take it at all. 67% and like 6% aren't sure. I guess 6% in the poll don't realize we're in a, you know, an economic shutdown with a, a pandemic. I guess there's some people still out of touch. But make no mistake, 67% in USA Today's Suffolk poll will wait a while or not take it at all. Now, what this tells me is we've got a lot of people that are not afraid of this COVID right now, or, or only, only slightly afraid. It's because they haven't gotten it, or they've already gotten it, or survived it, and don't know it. As I stated before, you can't keep yourself from getting a, a virus. If you're going to get it, you're going to get it. You really can't protect yourself from it unless you live in a bubble of sorts. So, you know, people are going to get sick, they're going to get sick. And, and, and we know that 97% of those that get the virus survive it. Only 3% don't. And I think that's, even though it's a high number, you got to understand only about 6% of those that get the virus, 5 or 6% even go in the hospital. And now the treatments are better, so you should start seeing the percentage of those that go in the hospital which is about 50% of them pass away. The other 50% get out. But the idea is that you're going to see now with the therapy treatments they've got with this plasma treatment and, and rem, uh, remdesivir and all this other, all these other treatments that are out there, all these other therapy treatments are going to help keep people, you know, from getting overly sick and, and being overcome by it. So you may, even though they may end up in the hospital, they, they, they usually survive it. And, of course, when you look at the other fact that most of the people that died, like 75% of them, were over 70 years old. And most of them were in nursing homes. So, as I said, 67% will wait a while and not taking it all. And I think what's, what that's very telling to people is that you're probably going to see a large turnout at the polls. Everyone's talking about these mail-in ballots, and Trump has been successful 
<clears throat> getting the public <clears throat> to question the veracity of the mail-in ballot system. They're all getting Trump. Trump has, has caused, because of the news that's out there, he is causing the American people to question the, the security of the mail-in system. So people, I mean, I got a phone call from a reporter <clears throat> for the Reading Eagle, and he and I were chatting about it on the phone. And he said, what's your thought on the, on the mail-in ballot? I said, well, we don't have a mail-in ballot in Pennsylvania. We have an absentee ballot system in Pennsylvania. He said, well, yeah, but they can mail it. So it's a mail-in ballot. I said, listen, I'm going to be clear. A mail-in system is totally different than what we're talking about in PA. <clears throat> Pennsylvania has an absentee system, which means in Pennsylvania, you have to request your ballot. So you request your ballot to be sent to your house. Then your ballot is sent to your house. You then vote and mail the ballot in. Now, I said the surest way, I was telling this reporter, the surest way of having your vote count and everyone wants their vote to count. Democrats, Republicans, independents, everyone wants their vote to count. So the surest way, and everyone understands this because they've listened to the media talk about this for the last six weeks, the surest way is to go vote. The mail-in system is not as sure. And what's interesting is it's not a it's not a hard case to make because when you tell somebody that the mail system is mostly right. But every once in a while, it's not. it doesn't work. We know this. How do we know this? Because we all get someone else's mail delivered to our house. It all happens. That's how we know it. So if you were to tell somebody, you know, the mail system's not guaranteed, they go, yeah, I can relate to that. I just, I keep getting someone else's mail in my house. I keep putting it out there, but they keep bringing his mail to my house <clears throat> or something like that or whatever. Another friend of mine said, well, would you mail yourself? Would you go to the bank, take out $10,000 in cash? Put it in an envelope and address it to your house and mail it to your house. Would you put that money in a, in a mailbox and mail it to your house? And if you answer no to that question, then you obviously don't trust the mail system. I think that's another that's a really good test. So I know the Democrats are really hoping for a lot of ballots to be requested. They're hoping for a lot of people to request their ballot. We had a million people, a million voters request their ballot back on June 2nd. But the reason for that was because we were just basically just coming out of the pandemic fear in May. And there was still a heightened fear. So when these ballots were requested, they were be these ballots were requested after 60 days of economic shutdown. So people were still afraid. And so they requested their ballots and they mailed them in. There were a million. But I'm not so sure you're going to have a million people request ballots. You may. You may, but I mean, I, I think when you have six and a half million people vote in this pri in the general election, that, the primary was different. The primary had like three, three and a half or something. But and it was like a third of those ballots were mail in. I think the general election is going to have about 10 or 15 percent of the total ballots be mail in. So if Trump is ahead on election night by like 700,000 votes. And there's only about a million ballots to count. They're likely going to call the election because they're not going to pick up 700,000 votes in a million mail-in ballots. You might pick up a half a million, maybe three or 400,000. But if he's up by a lot, they, they can't they can't hold it. They just can't hold it. They can't hold the results back. So the absentee system really is a better system because we pretty much know what's, what's out there. But I thought what was interesting was 
in Pennsylvania, and I've said this on prior shows, but I'll bring it up again because I think it's really it's a distinct point that's worth re-mentioning. I think when you look at the uh, registered voters in Pennsylvania, actual on the books, we see about eight, 8.725, 8,725,566 registered voters. That's what's in Pennsylvania. 8,725,566. That's what they claim is on the books. Folks, we have about 10.2 or 10.3 people in Pennsylvania that are of a voting age. In other words, possible eligible voters. So they're basically saying 85 or 86 percent of all eligible voters are registered to vote. I just find that really hard to believe. I really do. So you got to ask yourself, well, how many how did so many people get on the ballots? How did this happen? Well, back in 2008, when Barack Hussein Obama the inner city Chicago activist was running for president. He set up a, a, an organization called project acorn. And I think we all remember what that is. Um, and I've seen them in the cities. I mean, I watched them in some of these cities like Philadelphia and so forth. You could see them. They were down there in the inner city. They were, they were registering voters. They were just signing people up right now. I'm registering voters right here. And they were filling out voter registrations. Most of which were Democrats. Most, if not all, I mean, it really was, I mean, I think they were throwing away Republican votes, but whatever the case is, they claim they didn't, but it truly was a mass registration effort. And uh, that's how we skewed those numbers. So we re- we registered so many people in 2008 that did not come back out and vote in 2010 and were not out again in 2012. The evidence of that is Barack Hussein Obama ended up with about four and a half to five million fewer votes, actual fewer, fewer votes than he had in 2008. He was the first president ever reelected with less votes than he had in his first election. That's a very distinct point that you're only going to hear right here on 1180 WFYL. Folks, that's the truth. So my guess is that we have about a million, maybe a little bit more than that, in that number that is skewed. In other words, they never voted. Either they voted in 2008 and they didn't vote again, or they never voted at all. But the numbers are messed up. In reality, folks, they say there's about 3.3, 3.4 million registered Republicans. My guess is we probably have about 3.7 million registered Democrats. That's what I think we probably have. And I would suggest to you that uh, the differential that they say is 750,000 is likely closer to 300,000. I also think a lot of the independents, they say we have 1.2, we have 1,241,714 independents. Folks, we don't have that many. Now, we have less than a million, I believe. But whatever the case is, uh, the numbers are wrong. I just wanted to share that with you, folks, because I wanted to bring that up. They're hoping for a mail-in system. So they're hoping that we end up with a mail-in system that can skew that. I just don't see I don't see a lot of people requesting ballots. Now, I know the inside political theory is, and I've talked to some of them, they believe you're going to see about a million and a half registered voters request their ballots. I just don't. Based on the polling here, uh, when you have two thirds of two thirds say they're not going to take a vaccine or they're going to wait until they take it, that tells you that two thirds of the people in this country, in this case, 67 percent, which is a little more than that, um, are not as concerned about this COVID-19 virus right now. They're just not as concerned about it because they've lived they've lived this long with it around, and many like myself just don't believe that we're going to suffer from it. So I think a lot of people are, I mean, you take precautions anyway, but 
one of those precautions is not is not refraining from voting in person. I mean, people go to the supermarket, they're going to vote, okay? If you go to the store and wear a mask, you're going to vote and wear a mask. I mean, that's what people are going to do. They're not going to do the mail-in system. They want their ballot to count. So anyway, that's what I wanted to say on the voting and, and how that is and, and, and the COVID. And I wanted to bring that up because Kamala Harris is basically talking about the vaccine, how she's not going to take it. She's trying to to uh, impugn the credibility, if you will, of a vaccine coming out early. They're very upset at the plausibility that we could have a vaccine in October. They're terrified of that thought. Uh, but they ought to be a little bit more terrified, not so much of the vaccine vaccine coming early, but the fact as of right now, only, only 27, not even a third, 27% of the people say they're going to take it right away, which leads us, which leads us all to believe that you know, I mean, do the math on it, okay? That means, you know, you have 73% of Americans are not overly crazy about or fearful of this virus anymore. That's almost three quarters, folks. That's a lot of people. And that, that hurts them when they're trying to um, double down on fear, when they're trying to enhance the fear and the hype, the fear and all the precautions. We already had Joe Biden out there saying he's going to have a national mask mandate. Now they're walking that back. Uh, he's already been out there saying that he would entertain the thought if necessary, if the science and data suggested it, he would close down the economy again. Now he's backing that off. And I think the reason that they heard, he hurt himself so much in the polls is because they didn't look at things like this. They weren't really, because they all live in a bubble, they weren't really connected to the American public. So they didn't see the truth that I see that. We see when we're out there day to day in our business travels, doing our connect our contacts with people, we understand abundantly clear that people have had it up to their eyes with this shutdown. And they're just, I mean, people aren't as afraid as they, as you think they might be. But whatever the case is, people have had it up to their eyes and they, they just want to get back into business. Okay. And I think that now a little late, of course, but now I believe Biden and Harris are starting to realize that they got over their skis on this and declaring that they would shut down the economy again and mandate masks. I mean, he made a statement, he made a press release on it, and he came out and said it very clearly. Now he's trying to walk it back. But the other thing that really bothers Americans, too, is they watch these out-of-touch Democrats and what they're doing right now with this relief bill and how they're playing this game with the relief bill. They want three. They want at least. They want a three trillion dollar relief bill, of which one third of that is direct paychecks to illegal immigrants, and of course the setup of our justice department as an as a I want to say a social justice department, an environmental justice department. They want to enact the Green New Deal. They want the, the trillion dollars to be a down payment on the Green New Deal, as well as giving paychecks to illegal immigrants. I want to make sure we're clear on that, too. People see that. And we're going to report that because you're not getting that on the propaganda fake news, but you're getting it right here. You're getting it right here, folks. I want I want our listeners to understand, you know, we, we are out here providing this blue chip discussion. We are supremely uncovering and exposing those hidden facts. And that hidden fact I just exposed, folks, is very telling. They want one-third of that new relief bill to be paychecks to illegal immigrants, 
and a down payment on their Green New Deal. That's a fact. Don't miss it, folks. That's a fact. You know, you look at what they're trying to do, and again, you look at what they're trying to enact. Don't look at don't look any farther than the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Don't look any farther than that. You you'll see on there. I mean, it's it's basically an all-out assault, a frontal assault attack on men, and it's truly a nightmare. I think it's an amazing thing. But these insane end America Democrats believe that the accusation alone is enough evidence for prosecuting someone for sexual assault. Folks, that is insane, and that is where they want this to go, a social justice justice department. That's what they want. They want to decriminalize illegal border crossings. I mean, that's that's an amazing thing. But another thing, I mean, they're again, they're trying to add security. They're trying to add a sense of security to suburban moms, right? So let's attack their sons and attack the, their husbands with this, with this insane end America, you know, uh, you know, the accusation alone is enough for prosecuting someone for sexual assault. Let's attack all men and going after him for sexual assault. But also let's do this. Let's decriminalize illegal, illegal border crossings. Oh, I have another great idea to make suburban moms feel more secure. Let's allow amnesty for illegal immigrants. So the ones you just decriminalize illegal border crossings. Now the ones that get here, let's, let's give them amnesty. Okay, I have an idea that suburban moms are going to buy into. Suburban moms want to make sure voting rights for felons are a reality. And I also think suburban moms want to lower the voting age so their 16-year-old kids can vote. Uh-huh. I think suburban moms are going to buy into. Suburban moms want to end cash bail so that people that get arrested for violent crimes don't have to put up bail, that they just get released on their own recognizance in time for their trial or return. I think suburban moms are interested in that, too. I mean, suburban moms are really interested. This is a big one. They want to they want to basically deactivate the gang databases. They want to shut them all down. So it makes it harder to find gang members. I think, you know, folks, that I mean, I was some that was some sarcasm there. That was a parody, if you will. But. I want you to understand everything I just mentioned are things that suburban moms are running to the hills from. They don't want any part of those things, folks. They want they do not want an attack on men in their world. They do not want to decriminalize illegal illegal border crossings. They do not want amnesty for illegals. They don't want they don't want voting rights for felons. They don't want to lower the voting age to 16 for their kids. They know their kids that are 16 can't decide that would never make a good voting person because most of these parents understand that their children, the toughest decision they make is whether to watch one show or another show on TV or what, or what video game to play or who to call to come on over for, for lunch one day or whether to go to, to have lunch at this place or that place. You know, the, the, these children don't make difficult decisions and they know it, but suburban moms are not interested folks. They're not interested in getting rid of the gang databases. They're not interested in that. They're not, they don't want to make it harder for gang members to get arrested. And suburban moms do not want to get rid of cash bails. They don't want to make it easier for people that get arrested for violent crime to get out without bail. To have to come back on their own recognizance. Because you, you see, suburban moms know that it doesn't make their home more secure and their, their neighborhood more secure when felons are running around because they don't show up for their court dates and now we got police looking to arrest them. 
No, they know that they're walking around and lurking in their neighborhoods trying to avoid the police. Suburban moms don't feel good about that, folks. They don't feel good about that. You see what I'm saying? Suburban moms don't want to end private health care insurance, folks. They don't want to do that. We've already traveled that road. Suburban moms have seen that movie before. They know how this movie ends. They know that the Titanic sinks in the end. They know this. The ship hits the iceberg. The ship goes down to the bottom. Thousands die. They know this. They don't want to relive this again. They don't want to make private health care insurance illegal. Okay? Suburban moms are not looking to, to, to basically give free everything for illegal immigrants. Suburban moms aren't interested in that either. You see, folks, this is where the end America Democrats are. This is their platform. And suburban moms aren't connecting with it. And this is why they're losing in the polls. This is why Trump is gaining in the polls. Because law and order will be on the ballot. Neighborhood security will be on the ballot. And remember, both Kamala and Joe raised their hands in an early debate stating that they want to give free everything to everyone, including illegal immigrants. They they both raised their hands, folks. They both support defunding police and defunding ICE. And the evidence of that is suburban moms that are looking for the truth, that look a little deeper than watching CNN, that actually do a little digging. Suburban moms will understand that. Kamala and Joe both march with these defund the police protesters. These anarchists. They've marched with them. And uh, folks, I'm just telling you, they, they don't want sanctuary cities when they realize what sanctuary cities do and how uh, sanctuary cities seemingly, uh, well, how, how they end security for suburban moms completely if you live in that area. If your county becomes a sanctuary county, when they understand those facts, they don't they don't like the idea that they're 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 risking their their suburban neighborhoods to sanctuary uh, to to basically allowing criminals to run free because of sanctuary status. Folks, these are just these are just things that suburban moms are afraid of. And when it comes to ushering in the, the Green New Deal. According to the American Action Forum. This will cost almost $100 trillion over 10 years. This is an annual cost of half of our our entire economic output, folks, every year for 10 years. Now, the cost to each household over 10 years is going to be $653,010, again, according to the American Action Forum. Now, if you divide that by 10, it's $65,300. Dollars, three hundred thousand, sixty-five thousand three hundred dollars, roughly, and one dollar. <laughs> Who can pay that in taxes? Obviously, if you make a hundred thousand, you're saying sixty-five over sixty-five percent of your paycheck is going to go to fund the Green New Deal. So, what is it that you're you're looking to fund for sixty-five thousand three hundred and one dollar a year? What is it, what are you looking to fund? Well, they want to they want to outlaw effective, efficient fuels. They want to outlaw cars. They want to outlaw planes. And they, yes, folks, here it is. They want to retrofit all buildings with new windows and solar panels. Yep, that's what they want to do. And that's that big cost that they want to put out there. Can you imagine the cost to retrofit every building with new windows and solar panels? 
I can't even imagine where you'd begin that. How would you begin to do that? Go to New York City and look at all those buildings. Look at the skyline. And look at the millions and millions of windows that you see on those buildings. I mean, the windows in New York City are more plentiful than the than grains of sand on a beach. I mean, literally, you're, you're looking, I mean, I don't know where you'd begin to, by the time you finish retrofitting all those buildings, you'd have to re-retrofit the windows for the new technology. It would take you years to implement this. They say 10 years, folks, I think it would take longer than that. But whatever the case is, it would cost tens of thousands of dollars per family, per household. There's no way you can do it. It's impossible. It's a figment of their imagination. This is a high school paper. That's what this is. I mean, it really, this is an amazing phenomenon that you actually have logical thinking people that went to college that believe that this is a possible thing to do, that this is a possibility, that they can do this, that they can achieve this. It's not. I mean, I don't know how they could do this. I don't know how they would be able to retrofit all the buildings and all the windows and all the buildings. I don't know how they would do that, folks. I mean, they're proposing net zero emissions by like 2035. I think they've now moved it to 2040, whatever. I don't even know how you'd even get there and how you would get zero emissions on the world, on the planet, on the global stage when you're not requiring China and other large countries to adhere to the same standards that you want this country to adhere to. That is the Green New Deal. Hold America to standards that you don't want the rest of the world to be held to. <clears throat> you want the you want American companies and industry to be pushed through the proverbial hoop in ways that you're not going to require other countries to push their industry through. I mean, I, I don't think again, it doesn't take a, a, an Einstein to figure out <clears throat> that one one company is going to succeed and the other one isn't. And the ones that won't succeed are right here in the U.S. The ones that will are over there. And that's what this is, folks. This Green New Deal is not just an attack on efficient, effective fuels. It's an attack on the middle class. It's an attack on the jobs of this country. It's an attack on our economy. That's what this is. I mean, it's going to raise the cost of everything. That's what this is. And the Green New Deal is nothing more than a high school paper that they're looking to do here, folks. And don't miss it. Uh, real quickly, another one they want to bring in the, the, uh, that these, these end America Democrats want to usher in is what they call the Equality Act. Well, it has nothing to do about equality, folks. No, this is where laws are created to punish churches and religious organizations and universities that don't go along that don't go along with the culture and the sin in the culture. And they call it out as sin. And basically they want to, they want to create laws to punish them. So when churches in their Sunday school lessons and religious organizations, and yes, even universities put in their educational lessons and or preaching to, to describe a certain sin, well, others may see that as their lifestyle, and they don't want that called out. So the Equality Act prevents that from happening. It muzzles free speech and eliminates religious freedom. That's what it does, folks. It creates conditions forcing adherence of churches, religious organizations, to yes, the education system to keep their tax-exempt status. And that is fearful. 
Another one is the Accountable Capitalism Act. This is very scary. This is demanding that government has a say in the makeup of a company's board. It attacks profits. It attacks dividends. It attacks 401ks. It attacks pension plans. It basically forces companies to get a federal charter, which basically puts the government in the say-so line as to who you put on your board, who you promote, what kind of a product you put out there, everything. The government now will have a say-so in the way your business either expands its scope or contracts its scope. I mean, it's literally, it puts the government in the business of running a business for you. That is an amazing thing that these liberals, these these end America Democrats want enacted in this country. Folks, this is all insane. It all means less profit. It all means less pay for everyone. That's what this means. And that's their goal for this country. Promise punishments, promise despair, promise gloom and doom, folks. It's all bad. They put all their bad ideas in, in two bad candidates, folks. Well, we are out of time. I appreciate all of our listeners for tuning in. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you being with us today. Many, Much of our audience tunes in every Saturday right here on 1180 WFYL for this distinct unpacking of the truth right here. They tune in live while they're in the listening area, but others pick it up live on the website, 1180WFYL.com. Others go to YouTube and pick it up by searching in the search bar on YouTube. Uh, 1180WFYL, and they can actually find the Listen Live link there. Either way, however you choose to listen to us, folks, thank you for listening to us every Saturday. You're with us loyalty. You're with us You're with us consistently every week. We appreciate you being with us. Your loyalty is so appreciated. Thank you for being with us. See you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.